Well, I take great confidence this morning because um, we don't, um, Scott didn't know what I was speaking on today and nor did Joel and uh, as they seek the Lord and seek the Holy Spirit to lead them and to guide them into what to what songs to choose what to speak on in, in speaking into the church um, Scott was talking exactly what I'm talking about today exactly the same thing I'm talking about truth and lie so isn't that incredible that says that the Holy Spirit is putting all of this together it's not us it's him so that's wonderful. And standing on the solid rock, that's exactly what we need to do. So I feel great encouragement by that this morning, that already God has gone ahead of us. The Holy Spirit is working to bring all of this together, and he wants us to hear this today. And so I'm going to pray because I really want us to listen to what the Holy Spirit says to us today. It's really important. To me, this, well, God's spoken this very strongly into my heart, and I believe that he wants us all to hear it today. So would you join with me as I pray? Dear God, our Father, I thank you so much for the way that you work, that you are alive, that you are speaking, and for the way that you've spoken to Scott and to Joel and to me in preparing today, that you have put this all together, God. You have orchestrated this, and we thank you for that. And we know it's because you want us to hear what you have to say. So I pray for all of us here this morning, Lord, that we would have our hearts open, our ears open, to hear what you're saying to us individually. This message is for each of us, and I pray, God, today that we will be um, walk out of here stronger in you, stronger in our faith because of you and because of your word in our hearts. I thank you and I, I praise you today, Jesus, for who you are and for how you work in, in your name. Amen. Amen. So our theme has been, what makes my faith strong? And of course, all of you would, would have different things in response to that. And we've been talking about that in our speaking, also testimonies. We're going to have another testimony next week. What makes my faith strong? And today what I'm talking about, I could summarise in one word, and it's truth. Truth makes my faith strong. Now, recently I've been reading a book called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And uh, this book is a really powerful book. It really has um, ignited in me an understand, a greater understanding of God and the way that he works in our lives. And uh, this morning I'm going to share some of the truths that God has spoken into my spirit as I have read this book because I think it's something that he wants to sh- uh, wants us to share together. And um, if you get a chance to read this book, it's great. You can download it on Kindle or you can buy the book at um, Kurong. But it is a really powerful book. It's, it's quite um, intense. It looks at three areas. It looks at the world and the flesh and the devil, which sounds very interesting and challenging, but it is a challenge that we should take on. So um, in the beginning of this book, John talks about Evagrius of Pontus. Now, this guy is a monk. He's a young monk from the 4th century AD. And uh, what he did was that he'd read about Jesus and um, going out into the desert and was confronted by, you know, by the devil. And so he decided that he wanted to go into the desert and confront the devil also. So as a young monk, he went out into the desert Now, people heard about this word spread and people became quite interested in this and actually sought him out as sort of a spiritual 
guide. And he stayed out there for a long time. And as a result of this, another young monk, Lucius, probably not young by the time that he asked him to do this, he asked him to write down the things that he had learnt, the strategy to overcome the devil. And what Evagrius did was he wrote a short book called Talking Back, a monastic handbook for combating demons. Talking Back. Think about that. Think about that title, Talking Back, because I want you to remember that part. He explained that the fight against the devil is a fight against what he called, the Greek word, logismoi. And what that translated means is thoughts or thought patterns, internal narratives or belief systems. And so for Evagrius, what he was saying is that these thoughts that we have are not just ideas that come into our head, but many of the thoughts that we have have behind them a dark force, which means that we're in a fight against the devil to set our minds free from captivity to lies using the weapon of truth. As Jesus said in John 8, you will know the truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's go on with that passage there from John chapter 8. The Pharisees immediately responded to Jesus' statement with bitterness. But we are Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves to anyone. Interesting that they should say that when we think about the history of the Jewish people. What do you mean you will be set free? I tell you the truth, Jesus says, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realise that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father. But you are following the advice of your father. The Pharisees were indignant. Our father is Abraham. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. Now, the Pharisees are really mad at what Jesus is saying. We aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So from this last verse that's highlighted, there's three truths that I want to bring out to you this morning. The first one is... There is a devil. He's real. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's not the little red cartoon character with a pitchfork. He is not a myth. The devil is a spiritual being at work in the world with more power 
and influence than any other creature in the universe after God. The devil is the evil behind so much of the evil in our souls and our society. And maybe today some people would raise their eyebrows at the idea of a talking snake in the garden or of invisible demons being behind current world events. But what if Jesus knew the true nature of reality better than we do? What if we are blind to a whole dimension of reality and are attempting to solve the world problems without dealing with the root cause? There was the Hollywood villain, Kaiser Soze, and he said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The truth is, the devil is real. Now, I'm sure you know that, you've experienced that in your life. But many people want to deny that truth. But we know there's evil in the world and there's good and there's some, someone has to create good and someone has to create evil and God is the creator of good and the devil is the creator of evil. It says in verse 44, he was a murderer from the beginning. The devil's goal is to steal, kill and destroy. His motto is take everyone and everything down. Wherever he finds life, he wants to destroy it. Wherever he finds beauty, he wants to deface it. Wherever he finds love, he wants to pervert it. And where there's unity, he wants to bring division. Jesus, on the other hand, is the author of life and an advocate of truth and beauty and goodness. The devil is against all that is God and therefore all that is love. His intent is to wreck love. One relationship, one community, one nation, one generation at a time. And this is why following Jesus often feels like war, because it is. Every day we are in opposition to the devil himself. And the devil's means of achieving his goal is lies. Let's go on and go back to that verse 44. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his nature. Another translation puts it, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And that's where we're at in our world. It's like we're in this war between truth and lies. Jesus sees our primary war against the devil as a fight to believe truth over lies. And for every victory we have in this war, our faith becomes stronger. That's how our faith becomes stronger, by believing truth over lies. You know, we're the only creatures in the world that have the capacity to imagine, to imagine what isn't but could be. Think about some of the things you imagine. And the positive side to this is creativity, the ability to imagine something and then bring that what you've imagined to reality. You know, like it happens when people write a book. There's nothing, they have this idea, they put pen to paper and write a book. 
out of their imagination, out of their thinking. Or baking a cake, you start with nothing. Think about our wonderful cooks in this church. Start with nothing. You imagine, sometimes maybe it's been someone else's imagination telling you, and then you put that all together and out of that produce this beautiful um, thing to eat. Programming an app, building a home, start from nothing. Put ideas. I've seen people in this church create amazing things with their hands, something beautiful and amazing, and it's, it's come out of their ideas. Music. You know, playing the guitar. We have the capacity to hold in our minds something that does not yet exist and then through our bodies bring that unreality to life. That's incredible, isn't it? That's such a gift, such an amazing thing that God has given us. It's a great thing. But there's a negative side to this. Because not only can we imagine unreality, but we can come to believe in it even if it's not true. Exactly what Joel was talking about this morning. Suddenly we start thinking about it. Before we know it, our mind has taken us to a place that is not based on truth. I mean, think back to how it all began. How did the devil approach Eve in the garden? It wasn't with an automatic weapon or a mind-numbing drug. He approached her with an idea. Perhaps more specifically, a lie. If you eat the fruit, you surely will not die. That's what he suggested to her, an idea. Now, it's very easy. That doesn't sound evil, does it? That idea does not sound evil. But it wants to take us to a place that is far away from where God is. Lies like this come in the form of deceptive ideas and they're the devil's primary method for trapping us in a cycle that leads us further and further away from Eden. When Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, he was challenging us to rethink our mental maps. Ideas only have power when we believe in them. I mean, we hear all sorts of ideas. Some of them are fantastic. Some of them are ridiculous. But they have zero effect on us unless we begin to trust them as part of our mental maps to reality. So whose mental maps do you navigate your life by? As um, Scott was talking to us about this morning, you know, is it the media Is it the media that creates your mental maps and that's what you believe? Are the people? What is it? Whose ideas do you trust? Are you currently believing any lies, lies about who you are? This is a challenge for many people. Lies about whether or not you are the object of God's love and affection. Oh, God surely couldn't love me after what I've done. Lies about your past about whether or not there is hope for your future. Unfortunately, in our current culture, a battle is raging between truth and lies, and truth is losing. We've only got to see the current statistics um, about you know, our, our faith situation. Misinformation, or as the scripture puts it, deception, is at the root of almost every single problem we face in our society and in our souls. But, you know, the far more common and often more dangerous lies are the ones inside our own heads. These are the ones that tip the scales for us. 
Like, good things never happen to me, so why even try? My best days are all behind me. You know, as you get older, it's, it, you can believe that. You could believe that lie, but it's not true. If anyone actually knew me, they wouldn't like me. They'd reject me. These lies get poured into our minds, this deception, the devil wanting us to believe this as truth, and it tips the scales of our life in a way that God doesn't want them tipped. You know, in the New Testament, there are over 40 verses speaking against deception. I'd love to have gone through them this morning, but we don't have time. But look it up. This highlights what a major issue deception is. And if we believe a lie about what will make us happy which does not line up with God's way, then we find it difficult to trust what God wants for us is our deepest happiness. Let me say that again. If we believe a lie about what will make us happy and think about what the world tells us and it doesn't line up with God's way, then we find it difficult to trust God wants our deepest happiness. This is why the devil's primary target is our trust in God and his truth, as revealed to us in the Bible. If he can get us to doubt God and, to, and, in, and his, like the fact that he is good and wants the best for us, and get us instead to trust in ourselves, like Joel said, getting up in the night, looking up Google, trying to find the answer there and feeling more and more anxious, if he can get us to do that, then he has us in his clutches. In the Genesis story, the serpent, who is later identified as the devil, personified, he came to Eve while she was deeply enjoying the life in Eden. The first descriptor of the serpent in Genesis is this. He was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And the word for crafty, the Hebrew word for crafty means cunning or deceitful. And his first lie was a subtle one, posed as a question. We often think of the devil coming, you know, know, with viciousness and anger and hatred, but he didn't come like that to Eve. And it says in the Bible, he sometimes comes as an angel of light. And it wasn't an angry attack when he spoke to Eve. He said, did God really say... You mustn't eat from any tree in the garden. The snake's next line was bolder. You will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Suddenly within Eve, there's this desire for something greater than herself. Something that she could actually be equal with God. He didn't come at her with a weapon but a simple yet evocative idea. God's not as good as he claims to be. He's holding out on you. If you take control from God and do your own thing with me, you'll be better off. You know, this is the lie that underlies all lies. And tragically, she fell for it. And so did Adam. And what happens at the end of the Genesis story? They die. The devil has achieved his goal. Not with actual weapons of war, but with lies and deception. It's by the spirit and truth 
that we're transformed into the image of Jesus. But it's by isolation and lies that we're deformed into the image of the devil. So let's go back to the, the garden story again with Eve. How did the devil bring about Eve's fall? First, he got her alone, away from God, away from her primary relationship with Adam. So there was no other voice in her head but the devil's. Nothing to challenge his deceit. And then he lied. He planted doubts in her mind about God's wisdom and good intentions. Lies that played to her desires for self-gratification, pleasure and independence. And alone, exposed to the lies, she was easy prey. Now, while you may think you will never fall for the talking snake routine... He is still crafty and he's going to work out how to sidle up to you with deceptive ideas that will captivate your thinking. His tactic is the same basic formula on repeat, isolate, then lie. And this is still how he works, isolate, then deceive. And this is one of the things that made COVID-19 so devastating. Social isolation had a devastating effect on mental health and human flourishing. The suicide rate spiked. We need community to thrive. You know, the devil is so aware of the importance of community. He will do everything he can to keep people away from even gathering at the church. And we see the numbers are going down because that's his aim. You don't need to go there. You can do Christianity by yourself. You'll be right. It's a lie. Jesus said, don't give up the habit of meeting together. And so he lies to us. He says, you're right. You're good. You'll be good. Keep, keep them away, keep people isolated, alone, separated. And he uses that awareness of community to gain the upper hand in the fight, doing all he can to cut us off. He, he will do it through sickness. He will do it with all sorts of things to keep people isolated and alone, cut off from God's people and God himself. You know, when the devil confronts Jesus in the desert, he starts the same way he did with Eve, by planting doubts in Jesus' mind about his identity as the object of God's love. If you are the son of God, it's really the update of the snakes, did God really say? Which challenges Jesus to consider taking his kingdom by an easier way. I mean, who wants to go to the cross? Who wants to suffer that? And when you've even never done anything wrong, He wants to, you know, suggest that Jesus could get the kingdom a different way. Get this, but the wrong way. Three times the devil tempts Jesus. Each time Jesus calmly responds with a quote from Scripture, displaying a quiet confidence in God's truth. And this is how we fight the devil and how we keep our faith strong. Not by some emotional or spiritual frenzy, but by standing quietly confident in God's truth, applying the spiritual disciplines that Jesus demonstrated in our own lives. You could say it this way, spiritual disciplines are spiritual warfare. 
And the two ones we see in the story with Jesus are quiet prayer. Notice that Jesus goes into the quiet of the desert talking to his father. There's no external noise distracting him. No chatter with friends. No reading the morning newspaper. No scrolling through social media. Jesus literally goes into the solitude of the desert so that he can distinguish the voice of his father from the voice of the enemy. You can't do that in the midst of everyday noise. There's too much going on. You need quietness to hear God speak so that he can speak truth into you so that you can win this war over lies. And the second thing Jesus did was scripture. These are things that you know, but we just need to keep reminding ourselves. How does Jesus fight the devil's lies? By turning to scripture, by speaking out scripture. Three times the devil tempts him with a lie and three times he speaks back scripture in reply. Now let's go back to Evagrius of Pontus from the 4th century AD and his handbook. What was it called? Talking back. He said, I wanted to remember that phrase, talking back, a monastic handbook for combating demons. It has almost 500 entries and each entry has a thought or emotion or desire from a demon, followed by a scripture that talks back to that specific temptation. And that's what we have to do. When the lies come, we have to talk back with the truth, with the word of God from scripture. Remember, for Evagrius, logismoi, or our thought patterns, are the primary means of demonic attacks upon our souls. And if we give in to those, they become strongholds in our minds and hold us in captivity. But we can break free. This is what's good. The truth will set you free. We can break free from this if we use Scripture to talk back to the lies. It's, we're talking back with truth. Can I tell you, you can't fight the devil's lies by simply trying to ignore them. You have to replace them. You have to replace the lies with truth. You have to take on the mind of Christ to actually think like Jesus thinks. So reading scripture is not just for information, but for spiritual formation. And to fill your minds with the thoughts of God regularly and deeply so that it will literally rewire your brain physiologically as well as spiritually. And from there, your whole being. You are transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, if we don't intentionally do this, then what our mind's filled with comes from the world and the devil. And it will cause us to become, as Joel said this morning, anxious, broken, distracted, angry. We don't fill our mind with scripture. We don't do this because of some religious obligation. I want you to hear that. We don't do it because I have to read the Bible. No, no, it's not an obligation. It's a need. It's a necessity. We need to read the word of God so that we have the truth in our hearts and we're ready to fight the enemy. It increases our confidence and strengthens our faith. So every morning... Before you allow any other input into your mind, fill your mind and imagination with Jesus' truth before it is assaulted with the devil's lies.
In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, which is the most in-depth passage of Paul's writings on spiritual warfare, he likened the follower of Jesus to a Roman soldier, and I invite the band to come. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I was reading in Zephaniah this morning. I'll just see if I can find it quickly. This is a promise God spoke to me this morning. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty, a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. That's truth. And as I read that this morning, I felt so encouraged. God is with me. God himself is with me. He is a mighty saviour. There's nothing that he can't have the victory over. He delights in me with gladness. His love will calm all my fears. He rejoices over me with joyful songs. That's the first thing I read this morning. I got into my mind truth to begin the day. So put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, not the people in our world. Our struggles against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's where the battle is. Make sure you understand what the battle is, not people. It comes from the enemy. That's who we're fighting. We have to put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand your ground. And you have done everything, after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. Join with me. Stand. Everyone, please stand. This is how we win. We stand. When confronted with deception, Jesus simply called out the lies, talking back with Scripture. He would stand on truth. And this morning, as you're standing there, I want you to picture standing on the truth of God, a firm foundation in your life, solid rock. That's who Jesus is. The truth will set you free. Jesus stood on truth and He never lost a fight. This is what makes your faith strong.